Hello, welcome to the Pleasing to the Paw.com podcast. This is your host, Horace Williams Jr. Thank you for joining me today. Last time on the podcast, I introduced my brand new book, The Furnace of Affliction, How God Uses Our Pain and Suffering for His Purpose. And I shared the uh, two-part introduction last time. So this today, I'm going to pick up a chapter one, but I want to just go back and give you the last couple paragraphs so I have a little bit of flow from the introduction so here we go the first of affliction despite what took place in the garden God still desired to have an intimate relationship with us that is why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins his perfect sacrifice gives us the opportunity for fellowship with him know that pain is not meant to destroy us but to develop us God wants to use us for his glory however to be suitable vessels for him, we must spend time being transformed in the furnace of affliction. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's Romans 5, verses 3-5 through 5 in the ESV version. And here's a a prayer that I shared in the book before we begin chapter one. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm humbled to share some of my moments in the furnace of affliction with those who love you. Thank you for your desire to continue working on us, your children, molding, shaping, and preparing us for your glory. I pray that you will give those of us who are hurting, who have experienced suffering, your indescribable peace, a peace beyond all understanding. Guard our hearts, Lord. Give us the wisdom we need, which you offer up generously to everyone who asks. Encourage us every step of the way as we seek to live for you. May our lives bring glory to you and draw others to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, here we go. Chapter 1. God uses our pain and suffering to divulge sin in our lives. As far back as biblical times... People often assume that suffering from some physical infirmity or difficulty was a direct result of sin in your life. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God might indeed use pain to help you recognize your need for Him. You may attempt to camouflage the sins in your life by comparing yourself to the criminals and evildoers that litter our newscasts daily. However, as God states in His Word, that is not the standard to compare yourself to. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 God's desire is for each of us to come to Him willingly and to seek forgiveness for our sins. Only then can we enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, we are infected with a sin nature. In fact, we were born with it. Now before you object, consider this. Does a child have to be taught how to be selfish or how to tell a lie? Usually one of the first words a child speaks after mumbling out some version of mommy or daddy is mine. If you still refuse to admit you're a sinner, that may be the exact reason God has you in the furnace of affliction. He wants your attention. He desires to welcome you into his family. However, sometimes it takes painful situations to grab your attention and remind you that you need the Savior, Jesus Christ. Being a Christian is more than living a pretty good life. 
while being kind to others or going to church regularly. God wants us to have a heart change, a willingness to live for and obey Him. If you are reading this book and have not admitted to God that you are a sinner and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart, you are in for a lot worse than time in the furnace of affliction. Unquenchable Fire If you continue to refuse your need for the Savior, you are destined to spend eternity in hell. That is not my opinion. It comes directly from the Bible. Hell is not fiction or a fairy tale. Hell is a real place where all who have refused Christ as their Savior will spend eternity. Do not fear those who kill the body and are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. That's from Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Matthew 3, verse 12. God is holy, and and he cannot tolerate sin. That is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to walk the earth in human form, and allowed him to die on the cross and rise from the grave three days later. It took the sacrifice of a perfect Savior to cover the sins of humankind. However, you must accept this gift of salvation, not only to be rescued from eternal damnation, but to live in concert with Him. I pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you will confess your sins and ask Him to be Lord of your life. Salvation is not a guarantee that your life will always be comfortable. I speak from experience on that. It does mean, however, that you have Almighty God living within you through the Holy Spirit. Christians are sinners too. At the age of five, I knelt next to my bed with my mother beside me and asked Jesus to come into my heart. More than anything else, I knew I was deathly afraid of going to hell. However, throughout middle school, junior high, and high school, I had no heart transformation. I was dragged to Sunday school and church every time the doors were open, but I had no desire to develop my relationship with God. I was not living a Christ-like life, so a lot of my pain and suffering leading up to my stroke was self-inflicted. As painful as those trying seasons of my life were, I feel I have learned and grown from the experiences. I no longer practice the habitual sins, taking advantage of God's undeserved grace. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's 1 John 3, 9. As born-again Christians, we should have a heart change resulting in a shift in our behaviors as we seek to live for Christ. Transformation takes place in our hearts with the help of the Holy Spirit as we immerse ourselves in God's word and seek to understand his commandments. When we are too busy or unwilling to do so, God will get our attention. Here are some of my favorite verses from Psalm 119. They spoke to me loudly after my stroke as I dove into the Bible to understand and know God's purpose for my life. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous, and of faithfulness you have afflicted me. 
those verses are found from Psalm 119, 67 through 69, and 71, 73, and 75. When I read these passages for the first time, everything began to come into focus. I had forgotten or ignored all of God's precepts that I had heard and even memorized as a child. I especially ignored them in my teenage and adult years. Ask any of my family members, or maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> I did everything I could to avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This included not reading my Bible regularly. I also resisted going to church as often as possible. And in doing so, I missed fellowship with other Christians and the teaching of God's word. I kept busy with my work. I was convinced that I was doing the right thing and providing for myself. Meanwhile, I forgot that it was God who had blessed me with the talents and abilities to thrive in my profession. I lived a self-indulgent, believe-only-in-myself lifestyle until it all came crashing down on me in the form of a life-altering stroke. The furnace of affliction is a constant tool God uses while we are here on earth. We will experience pain and suffering until he takes us to heaven to live with him. How long we spend in the furnace has a lot to do with how we respond to God's ongoing attempts to make us more like him. God does not want to make us a bunch of robots walking around saying, Yes, Master, what can I do, Master? God has given us a choice, a choice to live a life that pleases and glorifies him. God wants to purify us from sin. This is his first step of fulfilling his purpose in our pain. Our earthly bodies are dying a little bit each day. However, the Holy Spirit lives within us, convicting us of sin and empowering us to live for Christ. So let me ask you this. Can you give up those habitual sins willingly or do you prefer some prodding from God? I highly recommend you surrender those sins. Look at the decision that King David made after realizing God knew of his sin. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. Now you may be wondering, why all this talk about sin? My dear brother or sister in Christ, God wants to use us for his glory, and he cannot use us He cannot use us if we continue to live in sin. Period. I'm speaking from experience. Don't fall into the trap of believing that you are without sin. Destructive sins that interfere with our relationship with God. I must continually guard against this sneaky sin. I have been self-assured most of my life. Excelling in athletics during high school gave me extreme confidence as a teenager. As an adult, monetary success and recognition in the corporate world went straight to my head. I was extremely proud of my accomplishments, but something was missing. I rarely, if ever, gave God the glory. When we attempt to do things using our own strength without consulting and including God, that is pride. When we pat ourselves on the back without thanking Him, that too is pride. A fine line exists between the self-indulgent pride that comes with an accomplishment and the pride we feel when God blesses us with the ability and talents to achieve said accomplishment. You will read more about pride as we move on. In the meantime, think about how easy it is to be prideful and not live with a heart of gratitude toward God. Complaining. Whew. 
This is another one of those sneaky sins that we can quickly fall into a habit of committing daily. We can complain about something from sunrise to sunset without even realizing realizing we are doing so. We may grumble while getting up in the morning. Then we moan about the traffic on the way to work or school. Then we criticize our workloads. Think about the Israelites and how they behaved on the way to the promised land. After being rescued from slavery and escaping Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they complained repeatedly along their journey. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3. Grumbling and complaining is blatant disrespect toward God. Because of him, we woke up this morning. He is blessed with the ability to read, write, think for ourselves, and earn a living. He allows us to care for our children and loved ones. He has granted us gifts, talents, and abilities that we use every day. We choose to be disrespectful and dismissive of those blessings when we complain. Beware of the negative self-talk that permeates your mind and makes its way into the world. God hears everything you say, and he knows your heart. Complaining is a destructive habit that can quickly become a part of your DNA if you're not careful. It is not representative of who you are intended to be in Christ. Now the people became like those who complained of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people therefore cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died out. Numbers 11, verses 1 and 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. Selfishness. Selfishness had been a lifelong battle for me. Some of the best times of my life were the years as a toddler before my younger brother was born. <laughs> sorry, sorry, J.D. I was the center of attention for my grandmother and her best friend across the street as they helped care for me. They spoiled me rotten and gave me whatever I wanted, which most days was a ham boogie and chee-chees or an adult speak, a hamburger and Cheetos. Yum. Three years later, when my first living was born, I had to learn the dreaded word, share. We shared a bedroom. We shared clothes. And we even shared the bathtub. Now don't get me wrong, this was nowhere near a Cain and Abel situation. I loved and still do love my brother dearly. We grew thick as thieves over time, and I missed him terribly when he joined the U.S. Marine Corps. However, I struggled with living selfishly for many years. It is only by God's grace that my selfish monster doesn't rear its ugly head daily. A painful realization is that selfishness is probably one of the reasons I have remained single for all these years. We must willingly purpose to live selflessly, putting the needs of others ahead of our desires, which I had long failed to do. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Not merely look for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Pride, complaining, and selfishness are three sneaky or presumptuous sins 
that will directly affect our time spent in the furnace of affliction. The purifying process, though necessary, can be piercingly painful as God seeks to remove sin from our lives. Then I have a final quote at the end of this chapter. God wants to purify us from sin. This is his first step of fulfilling his purpose in our pain. At the end of each chapter, I have some what I call refining fire questions. Um, you could kind of kind of recap of the chapter and some questions that make you think about what 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 we just read, what I just talked about. So, the first question I have, and uh, after chapter one, is: Are you hurting right now, or have you suffered painful situations in the past? What type of pain are you experiencing? Physical, emotional, or spiritual? Answering these questions is the beginning of seeing God's purpose in your circumstances. Question number two. Have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, asking him to forgive you of your sins and come live within your heart? If you have not, what is holding you back? And question number three. Are you battling any sneaky sins? What sins are you battling that I didn't mention? What is God saying to you about those sins right now? Then I close chapter one with a verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. Okay, well, that is the end of chapter one of the first of affliction. I'm going to stop there for now. I hope you enjoyed it. I do want to mention that in anticipation of the Amazon Prime days coming next week, my book is on sale, so you can you can purchase the paperback for fifty percent off. You can download the entire ebook for only ninety nine cents on Amazon.com or go to my website, pleasingtothepotter.com. I hope you have enjoyed this reading. I pray that you are blessed by these words that God put in my heart. Have a wonderful day. Keep your eyes on Christ, and God bless. <music>